Caleb Jenks, coming to you live from Central Texas. Caleb, we are talking about why there are so many religions in the world. It seemed like neither of us were that excited to get into this topic, and I offered Caleb just beforehand if he wanted to get off on a rabbit trail about, oh, I don't know, anything like my hatred of the federal government or Easter or the COVID-19 virus, uh, you know, um, or uh, unemployment and how that's going to bankrupt America. Um, I'd be more than happy to get on a rabbit trail. But I don't think that's why anyone is tuning in. So I was saying maybe we should stick with, you know, what we were planning on talking about. Caleb, any thoughts? Well, I think there's not that many religions out there. Why don't we just come up with a new one tonight? You know, okay, so let me ask you this, Caleb. <laughs> because I constantly hear how, oh, religion was just made by man. And, and it's just, you know, an excuse to get people to uh, submit to authority and get under control. Okay, Caleb, if you were to invent a new religion, why would you do it? What would be, what's your, what's your angle? What are you going to gain from that? I mean, let's brainstorm here. I think it's a ridiculous idea. Do you have time for that? Yeah, I guess, I guess most of them are probably trying to do it either to control people or get some sort of an economical benefit from it. I don't know. Yeah, the, the weird thing is, or or they just weren't mentally stable in the first place, which <laughs> appears to be the case with a few people. I mean, I don't know, because anyone that is inventing a religion, they're going to know that they're a fraud from the start. But I guess, you know, whatever, it's, you know, maybe one more con man out there. I guess I just don't see, you know... I don't know. I can't figure out any good reason why I would do that. Hold on. I'm going to mute my mic. My kids are bringing me my Bible. Take it over. Okay. Yeah. So obviously I guess there's a, I guess we could go about any direction with this thing here, but um, I was looking at statistics, which I figured would be a good, good place to start. Um yeah, no, like... I, I agree. Statistics are entertaining for the whole family. Yeah. I mean, everyone can get well, statistics. If you were to guess, what is the most popular religion? What would you guess it would be? Um, I would imagine that the most popular religion worldwide is going to be um, uh, Islam, Christianity. It would have to be one of those two. There's no way yeah, I can't which... imagine... There's another one that's bigger. Which one, which one do you think would be out of those two? Which one do you think is in the lead? Of course, this is counting for people that profess to be Christians, not not uh, real Christians. See, and that's the thing I was always thinking. And I mean, that's the same thing I was thinking about, you know, Islam. Do you know how many people I've met that they're like, well, yeah, I'm Islam. I'm like, really? You know, uh, you, you, you know, that's the way you decided to go. They're like, well, I was raised it. You know, right. I mean, that's the same excuse I've heard in every, you know, church and every religion, you know, ever. So uh, let's say Christianity worldwide. Yep. Okay, that's Christianity, my Christianity, 2.1 billion followers, and Islam is at 1.5. Hinduism comes in at 1.4, Buddhism at half a billion. So that's the top four, hmm. which is kind of interesting that Christianity is in the lead now. At the rate that that um, Islam is reproducing compared to Christianity, they're gonna, they're going to win on demographics before too long. You know, I always wondered why Christians are so against having a big family. That never made sense to me. It, it Obvious. <laughs> obviously, well, and I mean, okay, so I think everyone that's on here knows me at least, or has at least creeped my Facebook profile where you've seen a family picture. We have six kids. I mean, we wanted a big family. To be honest with you, I wanted, you know, more than six kids, but that's not always, you know, the way things work out. But Joanna and I talked about it before we got married. We wanted a big family and so many Christians. Okay, Caleb, let me ask you this. What is the number one reason you hear Christians say we can't have a big family? Because I if, guess if they anyone want to give them a know, good education. See, I've always heard we can't afford it. 
Oh, right. Yeah. So in case anyone is ignorant of this fact, Caleb comes from 10 kids. Or wait, isn't nine? Oh, now I got to count. Okay, boys, Caleb, Joshua, yeah. done. Okay, girl. <laughs> there was... There was there was nine for my parents' okay. um, marriage together, and then I have um, a half sister. Okay, so ten kids yeah. you grew up with, or I'm sorry, nine kids you grew up with. Yeah, there was nine of us. I had eight siblings, seven sisters, and one brother. Okay, so um, I was. It's kind of interesting to me that I I tend to. I wish that I could simplify trying to get a good, a good um, logical understanding of religion based off of, it'd be nice if it was just Christianity and atheists. That's the easiest, sure. that's the easiest, that's like the opposite of Christianity. But it's really interesting to me when I look at these charts that atheism doesn't even rank on the charts. If you go like on say Wikipedia, Mm-hmm. And it looks, it, it gives you all the way down to, um, let's see, we got all the way down to 0.01% is Rastafar, Rastafarianism or whatever hmm. is the bottom. And that is, so we have Christianity. So that's basically like the remainder of the Bob Marley band. Bob Marley and the, Warriors, <laughs> the remaining members that are still alive make up Rastafarianism. Yeah. Anyways, so I guess... I'm not, I'm wondering how this works. Um, I, what I should look up is is statistics of atheists because I guess maybe atheists. Oh no no, no here we go. Secular, non-religious, agnostic, or atheist makes up fourteen percent. Um, so that's number three. That makes more sense. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say apparently being non-religious is not that as popular as I thought, but it, it is number three on the list. One point one billion people are non-religious, agnostic, atheist. So. Anyways, but obviously it's pretty popular for people to believe in some sort of religion. And a lot of the non-religious people or um, secular are not, they haven't made a decision on religion. They're just not there. Mm -hmm. So I ought to look up atheist statistics or atheist agnostic because agnostic. There's a big difference between those two. Well, yeah, exactly. Okay. So, so, So let's try to answer this. Why are there so many religions? I mean, that's the question we posed a week ago. If any, I don't know if anyone follows our schedule and knows what we're going to be talking about more than we do, but that's what they're expecting an answer to. So if I had to give an answer to that, I I would give you a spiritual one. What you have to understand is uh, just as much as God wants um, the lost soul to be saved and to wind up in heaven with him for eternity, Uh, There are forces of evil at work that want all of God's creation burning in hell for eternity, and they are working hard at it, and they'll use any means necessary. They'll make up uh, completely pagan religions. They'll even take, you know, a Christian religion and twist it enough to make sure that nobody actually gets saved, and they'll promote that. But the devil simply wants the creation of Jesus to be destroyed. He, uh, the, the devil wants the creation of Jesus to be separate from him. See, the devil knows where he's going. The devil has read the book. He knows the end game. He's still fighting, hoping that there is a way he can overthrow the Lord. And he's going to do this up until uh, the millennial reign. And after he gets out from being imprisoned for a thousand years, he's going to amass an army and literally try to march on Jerusalem and take out Uh, Jesus, it's not going to work. I've read the end of the book. But the point is, the devil uh, knows where he is going. He knows the lake of fire is his, uh, I don't want to say final resting place, because there's not going to be any rest there. But that's going to be the place that he spends eternity. And he wants as many of uh, the Lord's creation, i.e. people, to end up there as well. And Uh, that's why I think uh, there are so many different religions is because that's the aim of, uh, of, of Satan. Yeah, that's true. And, and obviously God has put in us, in our nature, a conscience and a desire to, to do, to know right and wrong, do right and wrong, believe in a higher power. And so it's appealing to humanity to worship a God. Mm -hmm. And so, so obviously when it's, 
when we're led astray by by false teachings, we can definitely come across come across all kinds of things that take us off in weird directions. So I I was trying to find the statistics on atheists, but obviously it's it's pretty hard to find because there's a lot of non-developed countries out there. So these are pretty weird statistics that I'm seeing here. But um, the the thing that I was going to say that I thought maybe kind of leading into this thing. If um, if there wasn't religion, mm-hmm. um, we have we have either there is there's no religion. This is kind of the idea that I always like to go back to. Is either there is no God or there mm-hmm. is a God. And if there is a God, then obviously he's greater than we are and he has final say. So obviously we should go with him. And the interesting thing to me about it is all these religions that have multiple gods where they're hmm. worshiping several gods. Polytheism. It's like, yeah. So why would you, why, why, I, to me, that doesn't logically make sense. Why you would be attracted to a religion that worships multiple creations, cr- possible creators. Um, what, who determines what's right and wrong in that it, the whole thing gets so complicated. Have you ever noticed of, that they're always fighting with each other? Yeah. In every exactly. one of them, they're always at war with each other. And it's like, okay, clearly we're talking more of a, we're not using the same definition for the word God because we're right. talking, you and I talk about a God that is sovereign, that is all powerful where nothing else has power. That's even remotely close to what God has. And it seems like everyone is bouncing around the polytheism thing where they're all like the Greek gods, you know, where there's a right. whole bunch of them and, and if you ever study Greek mythology, it is nothing more than a human soap opera with superpowers. That's all it right. is. This one's sleeping with that one, and they're plotting to kill this one, and then this one betrays that one. It's nonsense. I mean, it's a great story. Don't get me wrong. Lots of, lots of great stories in there, which will make for great movies as we roll them out. But it seems just nonsensical. Yeah, so there's... There is, I don't know how many, I should have looked up the statistic to see how many You're religions there are out there. You're yeah. really pushing but, these statistics. Well, well, so the interesting thing is, is that to me, it's almost, it's almost most of the religions, you can really narrow it down to there's, there's two different types of religions. There's ones that believe in God, a God, monotheism, and then there's polytheism. And really, there's only three different religions, of course, in each of those three religions. Uh, Christianity, Judaism, and uh, Islam, there are multiple different variations of those religions. But the the rest of the world, and to me, if you just, here I am going back to statistics for you, but if you look at the fact that the top three religions are monotheistic religions, it sort of makes sense why they would become the most popular. Judaism, Christianity, Islam, um, sorry, did I just say that wrong? Judaism, Christianity, and Judy, Islam? And, yeah, and Judaism is not one of the top three. Atheism. <laughs> Atheism is one of the top three. Judaism is not. Well, and so, really, don't you want, I mean, shouldn't you really lump Judaism in with Christianity? Well, depends it's on which version of Christianity, because some, some versions of Christianity are just like, let's take a little bit of this and a little bit of that, kind of blend it all together into one big happy family here. And well, with, I meant my with, version. All right, your version of Christianity. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely, there's, um, as far as, I guess they'd be called Abrahamic faiths would be Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Mm -hmm. And so, to me, those are the only, the only three that actually hold any sort of water logically. The others are very, it's just this quagmire of nonsense when you really get into the details. And they're all, they are all these evil monsters you know these gods mm-hmm. that if you read these these stories and especially the greek gods and stuff it's it is uh pretty disturbing so anyways i guess to me that would be the my initial response is i think that the main reason is that god created us to to have a longing and a desire to worship god and to have mm-hmm. he, we were created for communion <laughs> with god and so obviously obviously there's a desire in us to want to have a religion you know believe in some god but then it becomes, well, how do I know what religion is the right religion? I'm pretty convinced some people never really give it much consideration. They just go with whatever's thrown at them. 
Mm-hmm. Well, you know, what I find with a lot of folks is a lot of folks end up where they were born. What were you born and raised with? And that's where they fall. And that always seemed like the silliest reason to end up in a particular religion or in Christianity to wind up in a particular church. Uh, you would think that a little bit of research should go into it. <clears throat> right. Now, oh, I just lost my train of thought. Go ahead. give it, Help wake the crowd up. Give them some more statistics. All right. So um, if you were, I'm just going to read something here on Buddhism because Buddhism is probably one of the, <laughs> my friend Peter says 89% of statistics are made up on the spot. Anyway, you just have to present it in a very convincing way mm-hmm. and then everybody will believe it. Just yeah. Wear a headset check. when you do it. Um, so Buddhism, this is an interesting, an interesting one because every time you go to a uh, Chinese restaurant, they've got a little statue to Buddha mm-hmm. there. And that is the closest thing that I've ever encountered to um, idol worship and you know you hear you hear about it and back in the day it was apparently this big deal and now i don't really see people going and bowing down and worshiping idols mm-hmm. i came to the point at at some point in time where i was like maybe i shouldn't even eat at a or at a chinese restaurant that has these statues of buddha because i mean it's we're not even supposed to um we're not supposed to have a graven image we're not supposed to bow down in front of a, work, a graven image so why would i go and eat in this you know in the decoration they almost look like these temples some of the Chinese mm-hmm. restaurants, but the food is too good. So <laughs> I decided I'll just bless the food, even though it might be offered to, to an idol, but I have to look at it. And it, I, I've walked in at these, it's got this fat little guy sitting there and I just, I walk in and I kind of wonder what would be the appeal to somebody of, of following this, this religion of, of Buddhism. So I guess, is that the closest thing that you would find as far as idol worship, you know, these, in the, the early, the New Testament, the, the Old Testament, it was a big deal. Obviously, everybody was going carving out idols. You don't really see that much. Have you ever really encountered that much personally here? Uh, only when I go to every one of my friends' houses in December. Other than that. <laughs> the other na- na- nativity scene. <laughs> nativity scenes and Christmas trees. <laughs> oh, speaking of Christmas, um, mm-hmm. how's your, did you get your Easter bunnies purchased? Oh man, you really want to see my head explode on uh, on a live video broadcast around the world? <clears throat> no, I mean you got a you got an Easter egg hunt at your house, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, we've already set up our altar to Ishtar. We've sacrificed the children. We've drained them of their blood and painted the eggs. Yep, and uh, we've worshipped the fertility bunnies. We have done the whole thing. Yep. No. So. so uh, Go ahead. Please. No, yeah. So, <laughs> so speaking question. of speaking of um, religions that get kind of murky, mm-hmm. Christianity has gotten pretty murky, and it is it definitely, believe it or not, is a combination of a whole mess of religions all come together, thanks to the Catholic Church and to the Protestant Church for carrying a lot of traditions into our Protestant churches with us. So, of course, it's Easter, and I don't want to burst anybody's bubble. And it's a great time to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. But <laughs> but um, do you want to give us just a brief history lesson on, on, on Easter and how that came in to the uh, sure. Christianity? Okay, around 300 AD, what happened was there was Emperor Constantine. And Emperor Constantine made Christianity legal. From the time of Christ up until Emperor Constantine, Christianity was illegal. And you were hunted down and you were killed. If you were found out to be a Christian and and someone turned you in, that person would get your property. Uh, It was unbelievable uh, the number of people they were hunting down and and killing uh, to try to exterminate Christianity. So... Emperor Constantine came out and he said, okay, Christianity is now legal. You're allowed to be a Christian. So for the first time in 300 years, since the time of Christ onward, Christians were able to come out and worship in public. Then his um, successor, who I think was Theodosius, but I would have to look that up. uh, He made Christianity mandatory. So Christianity was now 
the only religion that was allowed to be practiced in the Roman Empire. What you have to remember prior to that edict was that the Roman Empire was made up of every pagan religion you could possibly imagine. So at that time, all these pagans had to give up their idols and they had to join Christianity. Now the question is, did they do that? Well, of course they didn't. They did the bare minimum necessary to uh, go along with the law so that they were not persecuted. But what happened was the state-run Roman religion uh, brought in all the pagan practices and that was where there was a large branch in Christianity. And the underground church continued to worship God in secret. And the state-run church that brought in, brought in the pagan practices ended up becoming the Roman Catholic Church, which we still have today. And that's why there are so many uh, practices within Roman Catholicism that are just crazy and uh, so anti-biblical. Uh, I was born and raised Catholic, baptized at two weeks old, you know, went to Catholic school. I mean, I've gone through the whole thing. And and I know I, I have a lot of Catholic friends and family. And, and when I talk about this stuff, I, 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 I'm sure I upset some people. And that's certainly not my, my intent because, you know, I, I love all of them dearly. But uh, it's a matter of history. Try to find another story other than what I just told you. You're not going to be able to do it. I mean, that's the only thing you can find. Uh, during the third and fourth century. So if you ever wondered where some crazy ideas that are, you know, popular and mainstream in Christianity, like bunnies laying eggs and what that has to do with the resurrection of Christ, or cutting down a tree from the forest, dragging it into your house, setting it up and decorating it, uh, go ahead and read, I think it's Jeremiah 10, it might be Jeremiah 12, the first you know, 10 or 12 verses, and you'll see where that custom came from. But there, whenever you see something that looks ridiculous, that is adopted by mainstream Christianity, it's easy. Just call it pagan. You don't even have to do your homework. Just call it pagan because that's what it is. And it's not very hard uh, to find the history behind it. So anyway, um, that is, that was what the devil was not able to do over 300 years of persecution of the Christian church in trying to kill us all, trying to wipe us out. It was successful uh, at being able to uh, destroy uh, Christianity by marrying it to uh, paganism. So is, is that a brief enough history lesson for you? I mean, I can... If you want, I can bring in a slideshow and, and go over the history. Oh, no. Or we can turn no, it back over to Caleb for some statistics on the subject. <clears throat> but anyway. Yeah, so Pesach was Pesach would have been the early the early church would have celebrated Pesach, which is the Passover. That would have been the Jewish holiday that would have been that would have been celebrated. And there are some some traditions that are somewhat similar between Christianity and Judaism that were actually biblical commandments. And what I always, what I always like to say on, on some of this is if you, if you try to find the devil in the details, you can find him anywhere. I mean, there's some, probably some pagan origins to the chair that I'm sitting on or the headphones that you're wearing. I'm I'm sure that some of these things have some pagan origins to all kinds of things that we use in our day-to-day life, you know, spoons or things that get used in weird cultures. And so I do think as, as Christians that we can walk in some freedom, realizing that, that, um, Easter Easter celebrations in churches that you're going to hear in a couple of days are not they're not just a full out pagan worship. I'm not saying that it's just demonic and evil, but it is troubling to see how much how quickly. <laughs> if Caleb's not willing to say it, I'll say it. I have no problem saying that. I mean, I sorry, I don't know what to tell you. Okay, but that's what it is. It's a pagan religion. It has it gets its date from the lunar calendar. It's picked by the moon. It has nothing to do with the day that Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, if you want to know the day Jesus rose from the dead, that's easy. Go to the 14th day of the first month of the Jewish calendar and count three days. Boom. That's when Jesus rose from the dead. Or you can celebrate the Feast of first fruits, and then you hit the day that Jesus was risen from the dead, which is why the Bible says that Jesus Christ is our Passover and that Jesus is our first fruits. But Go ahead, Caleb. Give, give him a softball <laughs> but, to swing at. Make it easy for everybody. Last, Heaven forbid we battle against mainstream Christianity. 
Because you know there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Last week, the last thing we told them is find a church somewhere and go to church. Correct. So t- this Sunday is the most popular time for people to go to church. Absolutely. And Sunday. everyone will be there except me. <laughs> and no one's going to miss me. And nothing I say will change any church in America. Caleb, I could preach this every day until I die. Nothing will change ever. I'm aware of that. Okay, but the great so, thing about America is I can say it and everybody right. can ignore me. I'm used to it. So is your opinion, I guess I, I haven't talked this over with you, but is your opinion that any any amount of celebration of of holidays that are now Christian holidays that have pagan origins is bad? Well, let me ask you, <clears throat> uh, If let me make it a statistical question. What percentage of celebrating a pagan holiday is acceptable? Is 10% of that pagan holiday good or is 25% acceptable? Or once you cross the threshold of 50%, then you have a problem. Well, and some people consider it a current pagan holiday, and I don't. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I would say it has pagan origins, but I mean, the sure. church has definitely revamped. I mean, if you walk into church and it's Christmas a Christmas service. They're, t- they're mm-hmm. singing about Jesus, the birth <laughs> yeah. of Jesus. Now I'm not talking about all Christmas songs. There's plenty of Christmas songs out there that have all sorts of nonsense in them sure. that are not about Jesus. But mm-hmm. I mean, what is the evil? I mean, the Bible says to the pure, all things are pure. Um, the, just the apostles, they were dealing with this issue of eating meats that were sacrificed to idols. Mm-hmm. And it seems that there are, is probably some sort of, of an amount of, of being able to rub elbows with with the dark side and still remain pure if you're if your heart's in the right place i guess that's my my opinion is there's plenty of plenty of christians that are going to go to church for easter they're going to celebrate easter they're going to go do an easter bunny egg hunt that are they're going to do all kinds of things that did have pagan origins but in their in their hearts in their minds they are they're probably going to be completely pure and right before god because they're doing they, they have no idea of the of the origins and even even if they did i mean to me i guess that's this is my question is it's not commanded that it's not commanded that we do it, but there are plenty of things that are commanded that we don't do. And if you were actually bowing down and worshiping another God Mm -hmm. or celebrating something that was stated in the Bible not to do. And some Mm -hmm. of these, some of these holidays are things that God said, do not go and make your children pass through the fire Mm -hmm. Um, or, you know, different things that the, the pagan nations were doing around them. And we've drug those things into Christianity. So somebody that their conscience doesn't allow it, I completely understand that. And personally, Mm -hmm. I'm very uncomfortable with Christmas and with Easter and some of those things, just because of seeing how we have as Christians just blindly followed along and let all this stuff get drug in out of a way to try to appease the world around us. Um, so of course I'm concerned about it, but I'm not, I'm not, I guess maybe quite as opinionated on, on it as you are. But sure. anyways. Well, I mean, so the, and uh, everyone, <clears throat> I specifically asked Caleb not to ask me questions about Easter. <laughs> He's doing this because he knows I don't have the self-control to just ignore the question and get back on topic. My hatred of Easter is, you know, okay, if I was in a room <clears throat> with uh, Osama bin Laden, Adolf Hitler, and the Easter Bunny, and I had a gun with two bullets, I would shoot Easter twice. There is nothing in me that hates anything more on earth more than Easter. And, you know, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. So, I just want to let everyone know that Caleb is pouring gas on this fire because he knows I won't squeeze the fire extinguisher because this subject is one that really gets me. So actually, get- I didn't know. I did not know it got you this much. So, this is, this is so getting into paganism and idolatry, I always ask people the same question. OK, <clears throat> is it acceptable to have an idol of Baal in your house? Now, keep in mind. You never bow down to it. You never pray to it. You just have it set up somewhere. Is that okay? What about an idol of Buddha or a totem pole or one of the saints or the Virgin Mary or Ishtar or Ashtaroth or any, you know, any one of the other idols that have been named in the Bible or not specifically named in the Bible? Are they okay to just possess and decorate your house with? Okay. 
and you see, for me, <clears throat> I don't think that that's acceptable on any level. So for me, when I see paganism and idolatry, I try to run from it as hard as I can. Now, keep in mind, I don't want anyone thinking that I'm, you know, in any way thinking I'm Mr. Super Christian or that I'm better than any of you, because I'm not. I'm just as much of, you know, a loser as anyone I have ever met as far as being a Christian. Okay, but this is a hot button topic for me. So this is what you're getting tonight. Uh, if you want, you know, we can get on another subject at another time and you're going to no, be so shocked at my leniency. But for to answer your question, no, if I see paganism and idolatry involved, no, I run from it. I, it doesn't matter if it's a little or a lot or whatever. And believe me, I, you know, the church I go to there, they celebrate Easter. Every church I have ever gone to, except for one or two, has always been a big Easter celebration, Resurrection Sunday, wear your new dress, you know, uh, you know, take pictures of the kids and their cute outfits and get them the baskets with the bunnies and the eggs and, you know, the whole nonsense. Okay. That's right. all I've ever found. It doesn't stop me from going to church or stopping me from loving any of the people uh, in that church, it does stop me from having conversations or standing in the same room when they start talking about Resurrection Sunday, because I don't want my friends to see my head explode. Right. All right. So I'm since we're still on this, I'm gonna, just going to read something. So this is one thing that I think that I would definitely warn Christians from having your children do. There is there is a lot of parents, good meaning Christian uh, parents that will take their children out. Easter egg hunting. And I'm just going to let you know, of course, it's this fun thing to do, but this is, mm -hmm. this is really what you're teaching your children is that this is something that should be mixed in with our religion that has something to do with the resurrection of Jesus or Easter, whatever. And this is the most widely practiced custom on Easter Sunday. It relates to the symbol of the rabbit, the Easter bunny and the egg. As outlined previously, the hare was a symbol associated with Easter representing the beginning of spring springtime. Likewise, the egg has come to represent spring, fertility, and renewal. In Germ German mythology, it is said that Ostera healed an, a wounded bird she found in the woods, woods by changing it into a hare. Still partially a bird, the hare showed its gratitude to the goddess by laying eggs as, a, as, a, as gifts. Um, so the, this is a pagan tradition that obviously is associated with the Easter egg, and it's a symbol of fertility, um, and the renewed life that goes back, um, clear back to the ancient Egyptians and Persians. And so this is something that obviously the pagans were doing around the Christians. And like you said, Constantine and, and they decided they're going to try to make Christianity mainstream, make it okay, make it fit into to society. And they tried to clean up a lot of this. It's no different than when you see churches doing Halloween parties at their church and, and dressing up for Halloween. Halloween was a demonic bad pagan um, holiday that had nothing to do with Christianity. And yet Christians are trying to find something that kids can do that night to keep them busy and clean it up a little bit. And, and so we make it a little milder, less evil version. Um, so anyways, that's, that's um, the one thing that I would say, I mean, among, among other things that are, are involved with it. That's something that you probably shouldn't have your kids doing. And the, the interesting thing is that this, like Patrick said, Satan finds a way to counterfeit everything that God does. And this is something that God actually said for us to take our children and teach them so that when they ask a question around this time of the year, that we can teach them about how God delivers us. And that was um, Passover. Exodus chapter 12. And so instead of teaching our children about Passover and what God um, commanded us to teach them, which of course is a lot of people will say, oh, that was Old Testament. Well, if you don't understand Passover, it makes understanding Jesus and what he did a lot less uh, logically connected to yeah, ourselves. The, so the, the crucifixion makes no sense. And you only get half the story if you don't understand Exodus chapter 12 and the Passover that Moses and Aaron uh, were part of the first Passover. 
so do you want to tell us just a little bit about what you're doing right now? Of course, we'll get back to the whole other world religion thing sure. here, but I think this <clears throat> sure. is a great, this is a great example of how Christianity can try to merge with other wor- world religions to try to be as socially acceptable as we can. And we can completely lose what God originally intended for us to have. So I've never observed the Passover um, as a observant uh, religious holiday. Mm-hmm. I always make an effort around around the time of Passover to read the scriptures relating to the Passover story to my children. Last year we watched a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, but that's about as far into it as I've gone. But uh, if you were to tell me in Exodus when it talks about observing the Passover, how long does it say that we're supposed to observe that? Or when when does it say that we're supposed to stop <clears throat> observing Passover? Well, okay, so personally to to get this out of the way i personally do not believe that the observance of passover for a non-jewish christian is obligatory i do not right. believe that i am commanded to keep the passover and that i have to do it okay so i am doing it because i want to do it that's all i see it as a good thing and that's the reason that i do it I have Jewish friends who have gotten saved and they continue to do it because they believe that their salvation doesn't make them any less Jewish and they enjoy who they are and they believe that they need to continue on with that. And I understand there are other groups that do believe it's obligatory, which is fine. But my family and I, we, uh, celebrated uh, the Passover this this week. Uh, so this is the funny thing. Typically, Easter misses Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the Feast of First Fruits by several weeks. Lots of times, it's not even in the same month in our calendar. Uh, this year, it actually is on the same week. So this week, um, my wife and I and our kids, we celebrated Passover. We got a male goat of the first year without blemish. Um, we brought it into our home, uh, on the 10th day of the first month of Nisan. And then on the 14th day, we, uh, killed the goat, butchered it. Uh, we cooked it. Uh, we ate it with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. And we read the story in Matthew chapter 27 about, uh, how, uh, Jesus was, uh, arrested and went through the trials and was crucified. And we also read the story in Exodus chapter 12, where God explains, you know, how it was supposed to work. And I was telling Caleb <clears throat> something that was interesting. So when we uh, killed and butchered the goat, I had my three older sons with me and they are 12, 11, and 10 years old. And the 12 and the 11 year old did really well with it. The 10 year old was, was pretty upset. My son, MacArthur, And when we killed the goat, you know, he was very sad. And uh, when we're in the middle of butchering it, you know, uh, through tearful eyes, he said, but the goat didn't do anything wrong. And I thought that is the greatest lesson that I have ever heard about the Passover. That's the exact idea that God intended us to have is to see we are to relate the goat or the lamb to Jesus. Most people don't understand this, but on the 10th day of the first month, when all the Jews would bring this lamb into their house and then they would kill it on the 14th day, all the kids got used to that lamb. It wasn't a farm animal anymore. It was a pet. We named the goat. We would feed it and take it for walks and pet it. And on the 14th day, when they killed it, it was very sad. And in the same way, people don't understand that when Jesus, 1,985 years ago, went to the cross, he entered Jerusalem on the 10th day of the first month of Nisan, just like the lamb would enter your house in Exodus chapter 12. Jesus, for three days, taught in the synagogues. He got to know the entire city. Hundreds of thousands of people got to hear Jesus teach and and. Uh, were amazed by him and and fell in love with him. And then on the 14th day of the first month, Jesus was crucified at the same time that hundreds of thousands of lambs were being uh, killed and butchered and prepared for the Passover Seder in every Jewish home in Jerusalem at the time. And 
that lamb represents Jesus. We know that Jesus, one of the names of Jesus found in John chapter one is the lamb of God. When John the Baptist was baptizing people in the Jordan River and he saw Jesus approach, he said, behold, the lamb of God. And that <clears throat> was a uh, fulfillment of the prophecy given by Abraham when he was taking Isaac up the mountain uh, to, uh, to sacrifice him. Uh, Isaac turned to Abraham and he said, Father, where, where, you know, I see the wood and, and all the implements for the sacrifice, but where's the lamb? And Abraham said, God will provide himself a lamb. And then after Abraham was stopped by the angel, they found a ram with an R caught in the thicket. They didn't find a lamb because the lamb was going to be produced, but much, much later. And when Jesus uh, was given that name by John the Baptist, a prophet that was, uh, you know, uh, 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 specified uh, thousands of years in advance that was going to lead the way for Jesus. He named Jesus the Lamb of God. So then, you know, Jesus, we, I mean, I hope we can see the connection between the blood on the doorpost in Exodus 12 and Jesus going to the cross in Matthew 27. And, and that was the same lamb. So, so anyway, that, that's what my family did, you know, and then we, we sat around the fire afterward and we read more of the Bible and we talked about it and, and the Bible in Matt, in Exodus 12, it, it tells us, when your kids ask you, why are we doing this? Because you're doing different things. You're eating different foods. It's a very different custom. The Bible says, remind your kids of this. Use it as a teaching tool to explain to them what happened in Exodus, what happened, you know, in, in the New Testament so they can understand uh, who Jesus is and what's going on. Yeah. So I'm just going to read um, Exodus 12 here real quick. Um, so I agree with you. I don't think that that as Christians, that it's an obligatory thing. But I think that if we were going to try to celebrate something around this time of the year, that going back to something biblical would be safer than something that was created out of the figment of somebody's imagination and brought in all sorts of other rituals along with it. So if we go to Exodus chapter 12, the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for, for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it. According to the number of the souls, every man according to his eating shall... Make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. That's why I guess you're able to do a, a goat. Correct. And you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts of the upper door posts of the house, wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh of it in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread. And with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs and with the puritanence thereof, and ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And, the, and thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. You shall eat it with haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night. I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, against all the goods against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord and the blood shall to you be a token upon the houses where you are. And when you see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this shall be unto you for memorial and you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. So that's how long we're supposed to keep it or how long they were supposed to keep it is forever. And it's amazing how many, how many things are mentioned in the old Testament that it says you should do this forever. And as Christians, we look at it, we're like, Oh no, you can't do that because you don't Christians. have to do that. You don't have to do that. Yeah. That's the old Testament. And not you only, don't have to do that. And not only you don't have to do it, but you can't do that because that's somehow a slap in Jesus face because that's old Testament. And we're now new Testament. Well, it is a new covenant, but it's the same Bible, old Testament, new Testament. It's one book. Same God. New covenant. Same God. I changed not. And, and the amazing thing about it is the one thing about Christianity that is 
the big thing is Jesus, right? I mean, if, yep. if Jesus wouldn't be a big deal if he hadn't died and if his blood didn't save us. And so this right here was a picture that God was saying he wanted us to teach this to our children generation after generation forever. And instead, we're out doing an Easter egg hunt mm-hmm. with our kids mm-hmm. and singing about the resurrection of Jesus, which is great. Mm-hmm. The resurrection of Jesus, let's sing about that. But let's not let's not start generating new holy days that are actually not holy to God. So anyway, that's, that's my two cents on that. I think it's really, really awesome that you're doing that. When you told me the other day, what your son had said over the phone, I, I got chills when you, mm-hmm. when you mentioned that to me, how, how he said, you know, what, what did this little baby goat do wrong? Yeah. The and goat it's like, didn't even do anything wrong. Yeah. yeah and that's, why that's why really, do we have to powerful. kill the goat? It didn't even do anything wrong. That is powerful. Same thing yeah. with Jesus. So anyways, that is, um, off of the Easter and Passover subject. I think it's awesome that you're doing that with your family. And, um, I, I don't know if we'll, if we will do that at some point, I've, I've had a lot of friends throughout the years that are Messianic Jewish that Mm -hmm. observe all of the feast days. And I've always said, if there was one feast day that I would want to observe with my family, I really think it would be, uh, well, there's actually a couple of them. Hanukkah is actually for those that are a feast day. Just to work Hanukkah out. is a Jewish tradition that came in kind of like a lot of Christian traditions. But right. the interesting thing about it is <clears throat> Jesus a- actually observed Hanukkah mm-hmm. when he was here, which gives me a little peace of mind about observing Easter or Christmas, which maybe that's my own muddied up version Practically of appeasing the same my thing. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you remember but, the amazing Easter uh, and Christmas miracles written in the history books, Caleb, <laughs> where God provided the Jews with what on Christmas Day? So anyways, um, well, there is, there is in the, the Christian version of Easter, uh, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. That is a, it's a long process prophesied about thing. And I can understand Christians wanting to rally around that. The same thing with the birth of Jesus, wanting to observe that uh, rally around that as a day that we can get together and so show our appreciation to God for what he's doing. No different than the Jews appreciating what God did through the deliverance um, there with um Hanukkah. And one of the reasons I like Hanukkah and that we've done it is because it's a good distraction from the fact Christmas. that we're not doing anything for eat for Christmas, which well, gets. <clears throat> and, you know, it's funny because we actually talked about Hanukkah around the campfire after um, uh, uh, the Passover Seder. So we all sat around the campfire and we're talking more about the Bible and the kids were asking and Joanna had a question about, well, what about Hanukkah? How does that, that's not in the Bible. And I was like, well, it actually is. It's not in the Bible as far as it's not a feast day written in Leviticus 23. And it's not a day that God came up with in the Bible, but it is in the Bible in that Jesus celebrated it. You know, and you can read about it. If you want to read about Hanukkah and where it came from, you can get yourself an apocrypha and read the book of Maccabeus. And it's an incredible story. It's a great history book. Um, just to remind everyone, it is not on par with scripture, uh, but I own it and I've read it several times. It's a great story and you can look up, you know, the history of it. It's amazing what God did for the Jews when they were under Roman uh, rule and they actually fought and won back uh, the, the temple at one point. Hey, I had a question come in that I wanted to answer <clears throat> so we can feel like we did at least one thing about all these different religions. I don't know if that's okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, my father-in-law, Corey asked the question, how can we uh, find my, uh, find our way to Jesus through so many religions? And Caleb, this is something uh, you and I were talking about. I just wanted to give my two cents. And if you could, if you could add, uh, uh, add your perspective as well. So the, the one thing that we find is drastically different between Christianity and every other religion is that every other religion uh, requires that you uh, take someone's life if they will not follow the religion. Uh, and that is across the board with all the major religions. That is Islam, that is Buddhism, that is Hinduism. Uh, if you do not believe that, uh, you are ignorant about those religions. Uh, I know uh, not all of the liberal hippies on college campuses that say they're Buddhist are ready to start lopping people's heads off, but there are plenty of them around the world that will absolutely do it. Christianity is the one religion where it says you are to give your life for others if they do not believe the way that you believe. 
And uh, Jesus is the one God that loves keeping his word. He is the one God that um, loves uh, being your provision. Uh, there's nothing sinister in him, uh, whereas all the other gods that you read about, that's that's not the case. So Christianity is the one religion where we are commanded to give up our lives for those we love. And more than that, we are to give up our lives for those that hate us in order to try to win them over. And you don't find that in any other religion. Every other religion is man-centered. Pick whatever man wants, and that's mixed into that religion. Uh, because it was invented by man, and it appeals to the flesh, not the spirit. So Christianity is the one that appeals to the self-sacrificing, meek idea of loving others instead of yourself. Caleb, what are your thoughts? What is, I was trying to find the question here. What was the what was the original question here that you were answering? Sure. The question was, how can we find our way to Jesus through so many religions? So that was my thought was. Why do we believe that Christianity is the right one, which would lead us to Jesus, as opposed to the other ones, which are fake, which would lead us away from Christ? That's the way I took the question. But please, right. you know, answer it however you feel well, best. I think the amazing thing is that um, no matter how far, there's no power, no prin nor principality that can separate us from God's love. And even though, you know, I, I hear about Muslims that have never, never been in church, never heard the gospel, that they see visions and dream dreams where Jesus comes and stands next to their bed and reveals himself to him. So I don't think anybody's ever too far to be reached by God. But what I would say is that, that so many people, the reason that there are so many world religions out there is to, is, it is like you said, Patrick, early on, it is Satan's counterfeit for what God has put in us. Satan knows that we have a, a hole inside of us that's shaped for God. We need God. We want God. And, and so he's come with all sorts of counterfeits to try to, to try to solve that. So I would rather see somebody be an atheist than to be a religious person that is, that is following a false religion personally, because I think it's easier for them to find God when they've rejected God than when they found a replacement that's deceived him. Uh, Matthew, 7 uh, 15 says beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they are ravening wolves um and then in john 4 1 says beloved not every spirit i'm uh, sorry beloved believe not every spirit but try the spirits whether they are of god because many false prophets are gone out into the world there are many 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 false religions out there and there's many people in them and so yes i believe that god can lead us to him even through another religion but it is, I would say, somebody's better off not trying religion than to go try out a false religion. And part of the reason that I that I I know of I know of people that grew up Christian that have gone and joined false religions that they knew were false because their spouse or somebody that they fall, fell in love with was in that religion. And that is exactly what God said: Don't marry their daughters; they're going to lead you astray. And it yep. happens, and 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 we do it for other other various reasons. A lot of times, people fall into these religions not because they did their homework and said, "Oh, this is this is the one true religion." They love somebody, or there's somebody that comes along that convinces them that they need to go along with them, and because of peer pressure or whatever, they go along with these other religions. But if you really get down to the details of it, a lot of them serve multiple gods, which isn't a god. I mean, it's mm -hmm. it's not it's non god, or it's this malevolent evil monster of a, of a creature, which if you really, or it's a dead piece of, it's, it's, it's a myth of this, of something that isn't even, doesn't even exist, or it is an evil spirit, or it is a dead rock or a piece of stone. It's, there's nothing, there's none of them that are good. And so we have counterfeit religions posing to be good, or we have, um, some of them just outright are these evil, malevolent gods, and people still follow them. So it's really interesting to me how we see that, and then we are not that concerned about it as Christians, that we're willing to rub elbows with the world, not only the world as far as, far as people that just are not Christians, but people that have um, these really, really contrary beliefs to to the Bible. And then we're willing to somehow kind of merge everything and try to like make this whole you know, I see these bumper stickers that say coexist. And of course we can coexist 
with other people, but that doesn't mean we have to somehow <laughs> merge into this somehow, you know, this ecumenical, everybody, you know, all roads lead to God, or that we have to accept that. Actually, if we accept that as Christians, we're no different than all the rest of these pagan religions, and we have nothing to offer the world. As soon as we decide to accept that, we have nothing to offer. We have the, the fact that we have truth and that we actually can stand on a, the, the solidity of God's word, which runs contrary to these convictions that these other uh, religions hold is the only thing, the only reason that we have hope for somebody else. And when, as soon as we muddy that up and murky, murky, make the water murky, it, it completely ruins the gospel because all that we've done is we've taken the only hope that we had and we've thrown it to the swine. We've allowed, we've allowed it to get mixed in and spoiled. So anyway, that's, I guess, that's my rant. It's a good rant. Very well. Very well said. Okay, Caleb, what else you got for me? Give me another so question. Mike, Mike Reed just said, with Christianity, we are never forced to do, but rather it is a true choice from our own hearts out of love for Christ and others. And that's very true. Anything that Patrick does or that I do or that we might recommend doing or not doing isn't because we say, if you're going to call yourself a Christian, you have to do this. Otherwise, you don't count. Mm -hmm. But there are some things that as a Christian and as wanting to raise your children in a way that are going to grow up to to follow God that are not going to be wise. Um, I, I'm thankful that my parents way back in the day made the decision that we weren't going to do Easter eggs and we didn't have a Christmas tree in our house. And of course, you know, we still had a Christmas dinner and, and um, you know, fellowship and had, had friends over and we sort of observed Christmas, but we didn't go all out with all the, you know, all the commercialized Christmas stuff. And I'm, th I'm thankful for that because it didn't become so culturally embedded into me that I just cannot live without it. And there's some people that it is so much a part of our culture that we cannot live it, live without it. And we, we impart that to our children and we, we teach our children rather than teaching them about God, we teach them about paganism and, and about false teachings that really shouldn't have anything to do with our religion. So if you were, I guess, if you want one last question for me, Patrick, if you were to pick out, one false religion, uh, if you were going to say, which which false religion would you go ahead and steer people? If they want a false religion, which is the best false religion out there that you'd steer people to? Uh, boy, I don't know. I don't know if I know enough of them, uh, you know, enough about any of them to um, say think, this is my second choice. Do you think there's so, one that's better than another? I mean, honestly, I would say Scientology because then at least you get to hang out with Tom Cruise. I mean, I don't know if that's what that counts for, but if I had to go, if I had to pick another religion, Caleb, I would be so crazy from a head injury that I might as well go with Scientology because that is the looniest one I have ever looked into. I mean, it is bonkers. It would be as if Stephen King all of a sudden said, you know what? I think I'll be a God and invent a religion because that's what happened with Scientology. A famous sci-fi fiction writer just all of a sudden decided, eh, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and start a religion. And it happens to do with outer space. <laughs> that's, you know, so as far as crazy town goes, go with Scientology. That, that would be my second choice over Christianity. So, and something I should add to this and, and, you know, I got to tell you, Caleb, you know what I love? I love Christmas music. I love it. I will listen to Christmas music any time of the year. I hate the fact that so many great songs are only played for one month a year. It drives me nuts. And I hate that I love Christmas music because of my hatred for Christmas. <clears throat> well, I think there's plenty of good there's plenty of good Christmas songs out there. The problem oh, yeah. that I have with it is when you when you start teaching your children that um, uh, Santa Claus is coming to town, he sees you when you're sleeping, he sees you when you're awake, he knows if you've been good or bad, so be good for goodness sake. When you sing that along with, oh Jesus, by the way, Jesus was born in a manger. Well, <laughs> are they going to grow up to question the whole thing someday? Because obviously, mom and dad were lying to me. Santa Claus isn't real. And so uh, maybe is Jesus real? So, I mean, these are some things where, where God was saying, hey, watch what, the messaging to your children here. Let's teach them things that are good, solid, theological things that they can grow up. And when they ask you, you can explain to them about the blood. Um, so if I, was to, if I was to point somebody to the best false religion out there, I would say 
throw them all in the garbage. If it's a false religion, it is not worth your time. <laughs> Jesus said in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Mm-hmm. And so that's not a popular thing for us to say, but there is there is no other. He, Jesus didn't leave the path open here for some other religions. He said he didn't say no one comes to the Father but by me unless you happen to be Buddhist or unless you put, you know, you know, you do this, this ritual or that ritual. He says that no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. And so if I'm going to if I'm going to take Jesus's words here, literally, he seems to say that there is not another way. There is no other way. There's no other religion. So don't waste your time. There's not there's not a lesser of evil. Yeah, there's some that there's I guess there is lesser lesser of evil, but they're all evil. There's some that aren't as as hurtful or damaging, but don't waste your time. You know, Jesus actually prayed that prayer in Matthew 26, 39. He went off by himself and he said, Father, if there is any way for this cup to pass from me, okay, let's go ahead and do it. But nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus literally asked, God, is there any way? that people can get to heaven without me having to go to the cross. That's what he was saying, because he knew the will of the father was for him to be crucified the next day. And Jesus was saying, is there any way we can do this other than me going to the cross? And the answer was no. If there was any other religion that could get you there, if there was any other uh, set of uh, rules, any moral code, anything you could do, any price you could pay, then Jesus's uh, prayer was not answered correctly by God. Okay. God, the father said, Nope, this is the only way. Okay. I have to give my only son. And that's, and, and, you know, something you have to remember when Jesus went to the cross, as horrifying as it was for all of us, when we think back on it and when we read those stories, the one thing you always have to remember is that Although the angels, I would imagine, uh, were silent as they watched because they were used to being able to go and intervene on God's behalf and they were not allowed to do it. There was a point at which every angel cheered. And I don't know if it was 72 hours later when the stone was rolled away. I don't know if it was, you know, as soon as Jesus gave up the ghost. But what happened at the crucifixion was a victory. It was a great thing. It was a horrible thing, but it was a victory. And that is oftentimes always saved for the resurrection. You know, the resurrection is when we're like, yippee, the the tomb is empty. And no one is glad that Jesus had to go to the cross but I'm grateful he did. Amen. Okay. We are out of time. Any closing thoughts before we sign off? And uh, my apologies to Caleb and everyone else. If I lost half our viewership tonight, Uh, just remember that uh, when you come to Bible Thumper, uh, we don't pull any punches or try to make friends. We try to give you what the Bible says, whether you like it or not. So I don't know if there's any uh, Mary Poppins fans out there, but there is no spoonful of sugar, okay? You're just getting straight medicine here. Take it or leave it. Sorry that that that's the best we get, or at least on this side of the screen, there's not a spoonful of sugar to go go down. Caleb seems to be much more um, uh, peaceable with all men than I am. I seem to uh, (laughs) just fly off the handle, and hopefully that's... uh, because that's the way God made me, but I don't know. Caleb, why don't you take us out? All right. Well, I guess I didn't know why we were going to talk about this, but as the conversation unfolded, I thought it turned out interesting. And I think it's really the the b- big takeaway for me to, uh, that I want to remember from this is that there are plenty of them out there. And just because you can find a little bit of good in this religion or that religion, mm-hmm. there's always got to be a little bit of truth to lie. But yeah. Jesus says he's the only way. And so that would be um, my encouragement to you guys is even if you are, even if you're born and raised as a Christian, you're born again, believer to also look at how much of how much nonsense is in there with, with our religion and to, and to be willing to say, God, 
if you don't want me to do this, if you put a finger on my life in this area and you say, you know what, this isn't what I want you to do, that we would be willing to let go of our culture rather than just trying to fit Jesus into our culture. And that's exactly what Patrick is doing right now. And I think that's just a beautiful thing to see that, that what God says, he's honoring. You know, he said, do this so that your children will ask you what happened and you can explain them and they'll hear the gospel. I've watched, I don't know how many animals die over the course of my life as a kid. We'd butcher chickens and animals and I got elk hunting and I never had that life lesson that your son experienced. I mean, of course, I've, I've, as a kid, it was hard for me to see an animal die. Uh, it got a little easier with time, but it's still an uncomfortable situation. But when you actually see that goat die and you say, didn't do anything wrong, it didn't deserve this. You know, that's a great lesson to teach to a kid. And so anyway, I think I see God honoring his promise as you walk in obedience to him out of love for him in that way with your family. And and look at that. Your son for the rest of his life is going to look back and remember that. So anyways, um, I definitely uh, I'm encouraged that you're doing that. And I'd encourage people to go back to the Bible and let go of culture and and try to try to find out what God wants for us and realize that all the other religions out there are nothing but lies. And we've taken a lot of those lies in with us and, and we need to get back to the Bible. <clears throat> That's it. I guess we will be back on next week. And our topic is, is God sexist? Is that correct? Uh, that is. And tell them what we're going to do that special next week, Caleb. Yeah, we're going to have our wives on the episode with us and make sure that we keep this whole thing equal so that it's not Patrick and I dominating the show. And um, obviously, this is a big question because Christianity is counterculture and there's a lot of questions that come up. Why is it that men seem to have certain roles in the in the church and women have other roles? And why is it that men have certain roles in society and women have other roles? And is this OK? And is it sexist? So we're going to get into all of that and try to answer it from a biblical perspective. And um, hopefully we don't step on too many toes. But I, I am guessing that there's probably, again, <laughs> the, the amazing thing about it with God is we don't get a vote when God does something and he designs it a certain way. We don't get a vote. It's not a democracy with God. It's a theocracy. So um, if you, uh, if you don't want to come on and see Patrick and I tell you it the way the Bible says next week, then you can tune out. But uh, otherwise, if you come on there, we, it, we tell you how God designed it. Don't gripe with us. You can gripe with God on that because we're, we didn't design it this way. It's the way God did it. Mm-hmm. So anyways, that will be our topic next week. Is God sexist? And hopefully we'll get through that. Um, anyways, thanks for joining us tonight. And we'll be back with you next week. Have a good week, everyone. Bye-bye. <laughs>